Hey, it's good to be back with you. Thank you for being here with us. And we're still in our in the gospel series. And today we're handling the, the prophecies of Jesus. And uh, you'll, you'll see why we include that in the gospel story uh, here in just a moment. But uh, we're grateful that you're with us. John 1.14 is where I'm going to begin. We'll also be in Genesis and then Colossians. But we're going to start with John 1.14. Let me read it to you. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today so plain a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit. Any word of knowledge you give to me at this moment to speak to uh, whomever is listening or watching or both, Lord, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And then uh, you look at all of us, but again, you look at me differently. I take this seriously. Uh, I'm your teacher, your preacher today. And uh, in that, I know there's a great judgment, a more strict judgment on my life. And I accept that. I know that, and I accept that in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray his name that I preach. Amen. I left you in the last sermon. We want to try to flow in this series instead of just having a sermon and then just cutting it off in the beginning. We want them to flow together. And so I left you last last time in this sequence of uh, the rebellion that happened with Adam and Eve in the garden and really what we call the fall of man and how the rebellion started there and then it is passed on to us. We are all born into a nature of rebellion. And you see that rebellion to begin. And God starts his journey of being able to redeem us. And so I left you with Adam and Eve, and if you follow on in chapter three and following of Genesis, you're gonna see that they are expelled. They had to leave the garden. Uh, a lot of things were taking place. They, they, they gained knowledge that they didn't have before. and. They even realize their nakedness, and uh, that is where I want to be able to begin. There was there was shame there, started to build in uh, into into who they are, their very being, and uh, I want I want to go there. I just want you to see here in this introduction that uh, the rebellion has started, and God is already in the midst of that rebellion, starting His rescue. So it's going from the rebellion of Adam and Eve to the character of God and to the rescue of who he is. So I want to take you quickly to Genesis 3.21. It's going to seem like a really strange verse. And I think uh, this is, uh, has really keen insight. It said, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin, and he clothed them. I... Uh, I want to show you here, and I'll tell you where I got this thought. Uh, I, I, I do, I know it doesn't sound exciting to you, but I do read systematic theology books. Now, I don't read them constantly, but I, I, have different, I have different systematic theology books in front of me and around me at all times. And one that I've really grown to love is a is a systematic theology book called Plain Theology for Plain People. And it is written by Charles Octavius Booth. And I have uh, 
emailed people. I've, I'm, I'm not an adjunct professor now, but I have been, and I've uh, sent this book to schools of theology uh, for them to be able to look at and to read. And don't forget the name Charles Octavius Booth, Plain Theology for Plain People, uh, so that you'll understand who he is. He, he started and planted the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, that later on was pastored by Martin Luther King Jr. So it's gonna just tell you the how God has used this man in an incredible way. And so I, I I was reading I was reading his systematic theology book, and it really comes from his angle. Uh, and I, I really enjoy that. It's really good for me. And he he's the one who brought up this verse. So I want to give him credit and give him props to that. And it just spurred this this incredible thought uh, with the fact that uh, he uh, we find them here in verse 21 of chapter 3. And the Lord God made for Adam and Eve, for Adam and for his wife, garments of skin, and he clothed them. Um, and uh, it, it can be overlooked in this verse, but man, I think, I just think Charles Octavius Booth has keen insight here. He asked the question, is there a hint that their lives are to be saved by the death of another. And what he means by that is, uh, we find that they are in their shame, and it wasn't that Adam and Eve, or Adam and his wife made these garments to be put on them. It says God made them. That in the midst of this rebellion, uh, Charles Octavius Booth asked the question, does this point to a sacrifice? meaning to get the animal skin, something had to die. And his question is, is there a hint that their lives are to be saved by the death of another? Is even the clothing of Adam and Eve, even a picture, because there had to be a sacrifice, and what is he doing here? He's covering their shame. Do, do you see the beauty of this? Do you see the beautiful picture of God in this? In the midst of rebellion, in the mix, mix of uh, being expelled from a garden that he made for you, he made for them, you can already see God working uh, to establish himself and even to cover their shame. I, I want to tell you, when I read this and see this, it just moves me to a point of worship of how grateful I am in the midst of our rebellion, my rebellion, your rebellion, he is still pursuing us and intervening, and, he, and, and this becomes a gospel picture. The gospel picture is, even in the rebellion, he is beginning the rescue. He is beginning the rescue of covering their shame. Uh, the rebellion has begun, and now the rescue, it begins. Uh, Robert Coleman tells a story of a little girl whose dad was in the military and served overseas. And she would continuously look at his picture in his absence. One day she was looking at the picture of her dad and she's longing for her dad. She misses her dad. And she says, oh, daddy, she said, I, I wish you would come out of the frame and talk to me. Well, uh, as Coleman has used this, I will use it today and just tell you that I believe that's the picture of what is happening here. In the midst of a rebellion, God is stepping out of the frame and he's beginning a journey and a walk with us, which is why we picked the beginning of this sermon, the text, John 1, 14. 
and the word, it's pointing to Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father who is full of grace and who is full of mercy. He, uh, he has stepped out of the frame to be with us and we rejoice. It also becomes a picture and a gospel picture that we look at. So as we're centered around Jesus, we are going to be talking about his prophecies today, prophecies about Jesus, because it is mixed into the gospel story. And the reason it's mixed into the gospel story is because God is beginning the rescue. There's the rebellion and Jesus is the picture of Jesus and the promise of Jesus is a picture of the rescue. So I wanna go through some and I'm, they're not gonna be on the screen for you. You're gonna to have to uh, hear them and then maybe rewind them and, and do what you need to do to find them. I'm gonna to have to move pretty rapidly because I've picked several, but I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time on them. But I, I just put it in as the gospel and prophecies about Christ. So I'm gonna bring it in, in an Old Testament mention and a New Testament fulfillment. I'm gonna bring it into that parallel. The Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. It was mentioned in Psalm 2, 7. It's fulfilled in Luke 1, 32 and 35. That he is Emmanuel, God with us, which matches really the John 1, 14 that we started off with today. Isaiah 7, 14, it is mentioned, it is fulfilled, Matthew 1, 22 and 23. Jesus being about the gospel and the good news. Isaiah 61.1, which is actually our mission yes. statement here at Hope Church. Isaiah 61.1 and 2, it is mentioned and it is fulfilled in Matthew chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. That Jesus is a promised redeemer as Job 19. And in that, it is fulfilled in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Also Galatians 4.4. 4. I put these in order for you, just to, just to be sequential here. Uh, born of a virgin, Isaiah 7:14, fulfilled Matthew 1:22. We've actually even already handled those. And then conceived by the Holy Spirit, mentioned Jeremiah 31:22, fulfilled Matthew 1:20 and Luke 1:35. Born in Bethlehem, mentioned in Micah 1 through 5, and then fulfilled in Matthew 2:1. The triumphal entry, this is one of my favorite ones of the prophecy, Zechariah 9, 9, and 10 is mentioned, and then it is fulfilled in Luke 19, 38, as Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on that colt. Uh, this is another one that I like. Uh, you may not, but I do. That the, the, the prophecy that none of his bones would be broken. Uh, in uh, Exodus 12, 46 is where it's mentioned. Numbers 9, 12 is where it's mentioned. Fulfilled in John 19, 36, where they broke the legs of the thieves on the left and the right of him. Uh, and they do that to speed up the death on the cross, the execution. And because he can't push up and breathe with broken legs, but they didn't break his legs. But there was a prophecy that said none of his bones would be broken. His resurrection, the prophecy of that in Psalm 16, 8 through 10, and fulfilled in Acts 2, 27 and Acts 13, 35. But Jesus also prophesied in the Gospels about his own future resurrection as well. And then lastly, his ascension. 
which is Psalm 68, 18. It is mentioned, fulfilled, Ephesians 4 and 8, and also in Acts 1, uh, we see the picture of this being fulfilled. I mentioned all of those uh, emphasis about the prophecy of Jesus being mentioned in the Old Testament and then being fulfilled in the, in the New Testament for a reason. Because I wanted you to see the length, and guys, this doesn't even touch it. Uh, some have over a hundred and some odd prophecies. Now, some others may have less, but they have them combined. In other words, as they are placed throughout Scripture, just to topically combined. And I just want to show you where there's the rebellion that we've been handling in the fall of man, and then there's the rescue of God. And I want to see you that the rescue begins in the very person of Jesus, as he is mentioned and promised in the Old Testament, and then it becomes fulfilled, even in the New Testament. I want you to be able to see that. But I want to compare it to another story. Um, I, uh, I watch YouTube on TV a lot. Now, I'm going to you're gonna, your mind's going to wonder as to wonder what the preacher watches. Well, I watch a lot of sporting claim videos on uh, and uh, how to shoot different target settings and and listen to some teaching from some sporting claims coaches. And I, I, I predominantly ninety percent of the, what I watch is that. I just watch it a lot. And uh, but then I also will catch some documentaries on there. It was a few months ago. I just really got interested for some strange reason. I can't tell you why, but uh, about the Columbine shooting, uh, which occurred August the 20th, 1999. And I have a dear friend in Colorado that I called and um, uh, that lives near the area and, and is, is a pastor. And, and I asked him, I said, do you, do you have any people connected to, this, to the shooting? And, you know, here, here it is just a few months ago, and I'm, I'm reverting back to a shooting that occurred in 1999. He said, oh, yeah. He said, yeah, you, you know, my life overlaps into some people's lives that are there. So I asked a lot of questions. And it, it led into me digging deeper into the Columbine shooting. And then it wasn't long till I got focused in on one of the victims. One of the victims was a lady named Rachel Scott who was very outspoken with her faith, loving kids and uh, just outspoken in her faith. And uh, I, uh, if, you watch the, if you watch anything, uh, she, you'll see that Rachel was one of the first victims of the Columbine shooting. And she was outside uh, talking to a friend on a step and a sidewalk, and they did confront her about her faith, and uh, they executed her. And if you watch it, I'm not saying it's a good watch, but if you see um, authorities, police officers, and uh, first responders dragging a lifeless body away from the sidewalk around, a, that, that would be Rachel's lifeless body. So she was one of the first that was killed. Um, so I got to watching documentaries about her dad and her brother, uh, and they were actually inspiring, uh, if I can say it that way. And uh, with this, I, I, I came upon that it, it has been referred to as a prophecy from Rachel uh, before she died. And I, I want to explain that to you in just a moment. Um, the, uh, the funeral, her funeral was broadcast on television. And 
a man in Cincinnati had watched this video. He was a businessman, and after watching the funeral, uh, he had uh, he kept having dreams for two weeks every night, and it was the same dream, reoccurring dream. And the dream was that he saw two eyes, and he kept he, he referred to him as Rachel's eyes, and there were tears coming from her eyes falling to the ground, and their tears were watering a rose that was growing out of the ground. Now, that's not exactly everything he saw. What he saw in his dream was two eyes and tears coming down to the ground and something growing from the ground. But we're going to show you a picture of her drawing here in a minute. So he, he calls and gets a hold of Rachel's dad, Daryl. And he said, you know, this is my name. I think his name is Frank. He said, I'm a businessman in Cincinnati, Ohio. You're going to think I'm crazy with this phone call. And uh, so th this happened six weeks, I think, after her funeral. And he said, I've had this reoccurring dream. It's Rachel's eyes. There's tears going to the ground. There's something growing out of it. And uh, he goes, does this mean anything to you? And Daryl said, no, it doesn't mean anything to me. So... He said, okay, but if anything were to happen that it begins to mean something to you, just let me know. So seven days later, the sheriff's department calls Daryl Scott, Rachel's father, and said, we have Rachel's backpack. We don't, we don't need it any longer. We've processed it, and uh, you can come pick it up. And so he did. And uh, her backpack is stained with her blood from her, her, her murder, her killing. <clears throat> and then he went inside of it because he... He's like, what's the last thing she wrote? What's the last thing he said? He was really wanting to find that out. So he unzips the backpack, goes through the books, and he finds her journal. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> in her journal, he goes to the very last thing. He sees a drawing. Now, there's no way the guy in Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio, named Frank, the businessman, could, could know what was in the journal because it's been in her backpack. And uh, it's made of two eyes, Rachel's eyes, and there's tears coming down. And they're hitting the ground, and out from the ground is a rose being thrown, being grown. And uh, what's what's what what becomes iconic about this is the tears that are coming from her eyes. There are thirteen tears, and they're clear. And then those tears seem to turn into blood, moving to the growing of the uh, of the rose. And on that day, uh, there were thirteen people killed in Columbine, a total of 15, including the shooters, because they took their lives. But there were 13 that were killed, 12 students and a teacher, and there were 13 tears coming from her eyes. Now, here, here's what's uncanny, is she drew that picture two hours before she was executed. Now, you're asking, why am I, why am I inserting this story into a story about the prophecy? Because I've, I've heard it said on, on videotape that it, it can be referred to as, as Rachel's drawing and, or Rachel's prophecy. And I, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm moved by the story. Uh, totally moved by it. I'm sure you are too. And you, you can find it on YouTube and listen to it yourself from her dad. Her dad is the one who tells the story. But here, And I'm moved by it. I'm, I'm not telling you not to be. I'm not even being skeptical of this whatsoever. But guys, you and I will latch on to Rachel's story, and I, I have too. I'm going to confess, I have latched on. She's, 
she she was a young girl who explained and shared her faith in the Lord uh, basically every day of her life. And and I am moved by that. But guys, that's just one story in Rachel's life. And, and, and there may be more. But my point is this. We have so many prophecies of Jesus. Just, I mean... Uh, some of them, like I said, over a hundred of them, many of them. And we have prophecies of Jesus. I'm moved by Rachel's. I hope you are too. But there are so many of Jesus himself that it's, it, it, it's so prophesied. So you and I will have imprinted in our heart and our mind how the Lord is planning to rescue us. I just want you to see in the middle of our rebellion, there comes this beautiful, beautiful rescue even to the point he covered up their shame with animal skins and the picture of the beginning of the, of, of the rescue. And I'm telling you, the promises of God are true and the prophecies about Jesus are true as well. I wanna move you to the end of this sermon with Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We have moved from the nature of rebellion to the nature of obedience in his kingdom. And that becomes the gospel message. There's this crazy story of rebellion. And then there's this phenomenal story of his rescue. And in the center of his rescue is the very person of Jesus himself. And I want you to see that in the middle of rebellion, he is beginning his pursuit of us, his love for us, his care for us, and his rescue of us. Let him deliver you from the domain of darkness and transfer all of us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Amen. Can I, can I hear it? Oh, maybe I can hear it through Facebook Live, okay? Amen. We say to that gospel message, we love you. And how do we part our ways uh, from this message? We say grace and peace. Make sure you live in both of them. God bless you.